The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This week on your favorite soap opera, it's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, and recaps. Now, here's Dan. Hey, soap fans. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. It's Friday, July 19th. Thank you so much for tuning in for our weekly chat about anything and everything soap. If you're tuning in for the first time this week, let me tell you, you've picked a really good week to join us. So welcome aboard. And, of course, to our regular listeners, thank you so much for making us a part of your weekly routine. This week we'll be joined by two of daytime's most talked about ladies. Coming up later in the show, it was a sex scene that everybody was talking about, especially the boys at the Geek Squad down at the Best Buy. All My Children's Brooke Newton will be here to give us a chance to know her a little bit better. But coming up first, you know her as the original Jill Foster on The Young and the Restless. Brenda Dixon will be here in just a few moments to talk about her new memoir. As always, you are invited to call in and be part of the show. We love interacting with you. You can talk to our guests or ask them questions. All you have to do is call in to our toll-free call-in line, 866 866- 472-5788. Again, 866-472-5788. If you've been blacklisted from using the phone or your mouth is full, you can always take part in our discussion at our official Twitter account, at Soap Central. That is the place. We're going to try to use that instead of the at Soap Central Live so that you only have one place to follow. Just making it a little easier on your Twitter timeline. Now, my first guest this week is best known to daytime viewers as the woman who originated the role of Jill Foster on The Young and the Restless. But since her last appearance on YNR in 1987, fans have been wondering, where is Brenda Dixon? In her new book, My True Hidden Hollywood Story, currently in an ebook format and due out next month in hardcover, Brenda recounts her time at The Young and the Restless and shares her version of the events that she says not only led to her dismissal from YNR, but also to being blacklisted in Hollywood and also left homeless. Brenda Dixon, welcome to Subcentral Live. Hello, Dan. Glad to be here. Those are some pretty explosive claims, Brenda. This is a very explosive book. It's a no-hold-barred book. It's um, just uh, no filtering, just telling the truth all the way throughout. And uh, it's really being sold well. People are enjoying it. They're giving reviews on Amazon, five-star reviews, and on Barnes & Noble Nook, and on, on all the iTunes and phones, and it's been very well accepted. I'm very grateful for that. It's a beautiful book, and it's got 70 pictures in it. Um, 50 are in color, and 20 are in black and white. And it can be ordered on my website, and you can learn more about it on www.brendadixon.com if you're interested in ordering the hard copy. 
And for those of you who uh, maybe want it a little faster, the ebook version, I will tell you, you can download in just a couple of moments. I did it yesterday. I thought that I would, uh, you know, read a couple of pages, Brenda, just to get sort of oh, great. up to date. And I am just about at the last page. It's been sort of a nonstop read. I didn't want to stop oh, reading. Oh, you so. read it. That is so great. Thank you, Dan. I make sure I want to be prepared for our guests. I want to make sure that I know what we're talking about. So let's, when we're talking about things, let's try to get to know Brenda Dixon a little bit better. I would imagine your appearances on The Young and the Restless, people know you, they recognize you. Do people still come up to you on the street and and say, you know, what happened? Why aren't you on Y&R anymore? All the time. I'm still recognized from The Young and the Restless, which is really nice because you have friends everywhere you go in the world. Um, So that's nice. And I decided to tell what happened because it was all hidden. As you know from reading the book, they just hid everything beautifully uh, through my attorney who worked for them, actually. And uh, so people want to know what happened to me. And they also are interested in the behind the scenes of The Young and the Restless uh, with the fall of daytime television, what brought it on, uh, what powers to be were involved in that. It's a fascinating book, but as you know, it also is a memoir, and it's my walk through Hollywood. And so I go into my acting classes with very famous people in my classes like Buddy Swayze and Priscilla Presley and Kenny Norton, Ed Begley Jr., and my working with Francis Fisher and uh, Bob Hope and Anne Margaret. So there, it's just a walk through Hollywood. And then I get into The Young and the Restless, and there are four or five chapters devoted to what happened to me on The Young and the Restless and other actors during that time. I'd like to sort of transition from there to go to how you ended up in the world of acting. I think that folks may or may not be aware that at the age of 17, you won the title of Miss California World, competed in Miss USA World competition, and certainly anybody who's ever seen any photos of you would not be surprised to know that you were Miss Photogenic. So how did you get involved in the pageant circuit? Was that something that you wanted to do? or was No, this something it was like uh, there are times in my life where fans just take over. And uh, this was a photographer who took pictures of me on the beach surfing, and which I used to do a lot as a kid. And he entered me into the world beauty pageant. And immediately they called me, and I competed for Miss California. Now, my mother was a beauty pageant winner, so she was thrilled. She was Miss Nebraska. and But she had nothing to do with me getting in the contest, And but she was very helpful to me once I got in. And uh, that's how I started my career, because when I won Miss Photogenic, uh, the Lucille Ball show called me, and uh, many different producers in Hollywood called me. So I started studying with Lee Strasberg at the Lee Strasberg Theater Institute in Hollywood. So just to be clear, though, what you're saying is that this was not a case of of living vicariously through a parent. Your mother, though she was Miss Nebraska, she didn't force you into this. I think a lot of people who see pageant kids, they think that this is their parents' will being forced upon the kids. No, it was just a photographer who thought I should be running for Miss California World. So without my permission... Um, or knowledge, he entered me into the pageant. <laughs> Accepted. So it, it was great. It was really a, a changing point for me in my life. I had direction, and I really went with it. I mean, I studied very hard and began working and really never stopped until I got The Young and the Restless, and I worked on that show for 12 years. 
Well, that was where I was going to go. Obviously, transitioning, a lot of people have transitioned from uh, from modeling or pageants into acting. And early on in your book, you cite that old adage that everybody has probably heard, once an actor, always an actor. So that does beg the question, when did you decide that you wanted to be in acting, that this was your calling, that this was the place that you needed to be? Well, I got my first job um, from Miss California. It was a stage play. I played Daisy May in Little Abner's um, kind of musical review. And when it came to the point where um, I was asked, you know, to cry when Little Abner rejected Daisy May, real tears came out of my eyes. And I thought, wow, this is so easy. <laughs> and um, also I did a dance, Have You Ever Heard of Dream Walking? And this man who hired me was also a manager and wanted a seven-year contract because he thought I reminded him of Anne Margaret. And I said, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that, which was a really good choice. And I went and studied with Lee and got a job almost immediately uh, in a film and got my SAG card uh, called Deathmaster, which is now a, a cult classic. And I just worked constantly after that. I never stopped working. And it was just so easy for me to do. I had talent to begin with, but I really honed my talent by studying. And I tell people in the book, if you want to be an actor, you really need to study, even if you have talent. Hmm. You know, I think that that's actually pretty interesting. I wonder if, if people don't tend to think that, if people who are not involved in acting think that you either have it or you don't. Well, there, truthfully, there are people who have talent, and Lee used to say talent is like a big, huge wave with some people. They're just, you know, they just have it, and they can hit the highest of highs. And then the, he can teach someone who really doesn't have any talent at all to walk and talk. But if people have talent, of course, they reach very, very high levels with their work. Um, but anybody can learn how to act through the method but there are, you know, there are people that are really, really talented. But, you know, the, the, the most talented people don't always make it. It's, it's the people who are, who really want it really bad and are, are willing to go after it that make it. When you made it, finally, I think a lot of people would think that was the big break for you, was landing a role on what was then a new soap opera, The Young and the Restless, which just celebrated its 40th anniversary this year. How did this uh, come about for you? How did you find out about the role on The Young and the Restless? Do you remember your first audition? These are the kinds of questions that people really well, love. Well, my first audition is in there. It's very interesting. I wrote a chapter on my first audition with the YNR. It's a fascinating little story, and I'm not going to give it away uh, on the phone, but uh, my agent uh, put me up for The Young and the Restless, and I won't tell you any more about it because they had me come back several times to play different characters on the show. And finally, they landed on Jill Foster Abbott. And, uh, but I was very hot during that time, and Dino De Laurentiis wanted me to play uh, in King Kong, and Belle Bell wouldn't give me an out for that. Because in the beginning, uh, we signed seven-year contracts. Wow. I don't know if they do that anymore, but that's what they did back then. It was a seven-year contract. So I was locked in for seven years. Well, let's fast forward then. Signing a seven-year contract, you were obviously wildly popular in the role of Jill. It's certainly, it's, it's a valid claim because you were a winner of a People's Choice Award as Best Villainous. So what ultimately went wrong? Why what are you no longer with the Young I Restless? I left the show. I married. My seven-year contract was up. I left the show. I married. The ratings fell six points. 
they never came back up. For a week, they came up to two, and then for another week, they came up to four. But they fell six points for the whole three and a half years I was off. So uh, I divorced, and when I reprised my role as Jill Abbott, now married to John, there was a huge power struggle over my character because of the ratings. And um, Belle Belle wanted me to be the sweet little girl that I once was, which, by the way, was a character that I played. It was never me. Not that I wasn't sweet, but I was very fashionable and sexy and everything. And this character, Jill Foster, that I played was very opposite me because I was always into clothes and just a certain type of girl. So when the character had changed and became a multimillionaire, and I had been married to a multimillionaire, I thought, oh, this is going to be such a fun role to play. And there began to um, be this misunderstanding where Bill Bell wanted something and another producer wanted a villainess and the fight was on and I really didn't like being in the middle of it. And I lasted for four years during that fight period and uh, this was and the ratings went up another three points. And so I was illegal. I gave a year's notice I was leaving, and the reason I was leaving is in the book because I love the character, and you'll have to read the book to find out what they were doing at that time, during to, uh, you know the in the late '80s to actors, and um, so I left. And I gave notice I was leaving, but they fired me in one day and replaced me in one day against my STARS contract. I had to have four weeks' notice that they were going to do something like that. I only have eight weeks left on my contract. And really, they tried to ruin my reputation, which was surprising. And then um, I found out that Bell Bell was blacklisting me because my press agent, Joanne Geffen, sent me to William Morris. And they said, well, we talked to Bell Bell on the phone. He said not to hire her, so we're not going to take her. And that echoed all throughout Hollywood. I couldn't get an agent. And without an agent, this is how they do it with a blacklisting, you're dead. So I sued him. And it turned out that my attorney, Mike Shelley, actually handled all the below-the-line people for the young and the restless. And I didn't know that until after a three-year lawsuit, which I never met the judge and none of my witnesses ever met the judge. He didn't even know I was ill when I was fired. He didn't know that I was blacklisted. He knew nothing. They kept it all from the judge. And um, so after the lawsuit, Mike Shelley admitted that he had an office on the Columbia Pictures lot and that he worked for the Young and the Restless. And uh, he signed off his insurance to me as a conflict of interest. Well, they went belly up three years later. I never got my money. But um, I remained blacklisted. And uh, Bell Bell said to me in a deposition, uh, I hear you're looking for support in a break. I said, well, how did you know I'm looking for support? He said, well, I'm getting my mouth done by your ex-husband, Robert Rifkin. And before I knew it, Robert Rifkin was uh, doing a fake bankruptcy, laundering $3 million income through the federal court and not declaring it. And I even had the canceled checks from Northrop. It was a Northrop uh, provider contract, so it was a government contract he had that he didn't disclose. Nobody would help me. There was a fake bankruptcy. I didn't get my half of uh, our divorce. My welcome to my home condo was sold in this fake bankruptcy, and um, I never got my money back. And this is what I was up against with Bell Bell. And... um, it's never been rectified. And then when I divorced my second time around, I went through an exact same scenario. You'll have to read the book. It's an incredible story. Everybody says that on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble. And um, 
it's just an incredible story of a battle of me whenever I tried to come back to Hollywood. Uh, I would face being left without any property or money. Now, I wasn't homeless. I wasn't out on the street. Uh, I stayed, a friend loaned me his condo in 1987 with no support and no property. And then I had to live with my mother, which was heart-wrenching. She had a heart attack as she was 85. And, um, and the whole thing is a night, kind of a nightmare story in that part of it. And, I mean, there's humor all throughout the book, but there are, you know, some low, low moments in that book. And certainly being blacklisted and then having to move to Hawaii was one of them. And then not getting any money for my second multi-million dollar divorce. Now, my husband, he wasn't rich when I married him. We built the office together. I refurbished properties. It's not like I, you know, married these men when they were multi-millionaires. That isn't what happened. I helped their careers and I had a huge following. Um, so the book is a, a story about what happened to daytime television. It's a story about my life in Hollywood. I take the fans into Vietnam and uh, into my acting classes. I introduce them to my agent, you know, through the book, who handled Marlena Dietrich and um, um, uh, Cary Grant and Diane Cannon, and also he introduced me to Richard Thomas. And I put my love affairs all throughout the book because it Definitely, just so happened yes. that... <laughs> My yes. famous. And I want to actually, I want to talk about those as well. And we also have a caller who wants to talk to you. But there are two questions that I think come up that probably people who are listening may have. And I'd like to ask them to give them a voice. You mentioned Bill Bell. There are some folks who've expressed that they, they think it may be somewhat unfair to mention these things about Bill Bell now, being that he has passed away and isn't able to defend himself personally. Well, what I mean, is the fact response? that he, that my attorney worked for him, uh, is a common knowledge, Mike Shelley. Everything that I'm saying is documented, or of course the Bells would sue me. There's nothing that I'm saying that isn't documented and not, and not true. I would never put anything in like that because they're too powerful. I just put the truth in. So, yes, he's not here, but his family is here. And they've carried on with this little tradition. And, um, so they know the ratings fell nine points, went from 11 million viewers to three when I left. And they know that they never came back up. They were, they hit five million at one point. I think they're four something now. Uh, they know that this is the truth. And this is what they did to me. Now, I'm not the only actress in Hollywood that has had this done to her. Uh, Valerie Harper, uh, Suzanne Summer had problems. Farrah Fawcett had problems. The girl who played Delta Burke, I forget her name. Um, uh, Raquel Welch. There's just a whole slew of women who've had to fight for themselves in Hollywood that are strong women. Why only women? I don't know. Uh, there was some sexual harassment in this. And by Bell Bell when I was very young, and that's in the book. And um, you know, I'm not. I'm telling the truth, so they're well, not going to stop this book. And that's the other question that I have for you too. That some people may be wondering when they think of Hollywood and they think of of heavyweights, they may think of like a, a you know a Steven Spielberg or a Scorsese or a George Lucas, and they think, well, you know, Bill Bell, with with all due respect, that he, how can one man who's involved in soaps be that powerful to be able to have this impact? Well, let's look at his connections. First of all, it, I tell my people about Operation Greylord, which was a Chicago courthouse that was completely taken over by the mafia. And um, there were, I think, 85 judges and 65 
attorneys went to prison for taking under the table money. They filmed it. The FBI wow. filmed the sting operation. It's a book called Operation Greylord. Uh, if you think these things don't go on in our court system, think again. And especially in Hawaii, uh, the bribes under the table are, are wild. I, I have a press um, page on my website with all kind of victims in Hawaii from this. And the, the state court of Hawaii is suing the judicial system. Okay? And I'm on that film in the state capitol. So if you think this stuff doesn't go on, believe me, it goes on. Bell Bell was connected uh, to some attorneys in Los Angeles, and he made sure that I didn't get any money. And that was a veiled threat. And I have that deposition where he said, I'm meeting with you. Why would he be going to my ex-husband? He knew I have had a terrible divorce from uh, the whole four years I was on the show. Why would He said he found gold in his mouth. Why would he be seeing my ex-husband to get his mouth done during this period and, and ask questions about my support, which I never got any spousal support? I'm telling you that these things go on. Bell Bell was connected to Columbia, CBS, uh, Sony, although I don't think they were involved in it. Sony Pictures was so disgusted with him for firing me, they said, we're not going to pay for this lawsuit. It's going to come out of your pocket, and you hire your own attorneys. You fired her, and you blacklisted her. So they knew what was going on because Mike Shelley worked over there, my attorney, which I didn't know. They must have seen the sworn statements, which I still have. So I'm telling the truth. This is what they did to me. I was too powerful, uh, and it's very sad. It's very sad that actors have to go through this, but it happens all the time. Soap operas, you, you talk about your, your second husband, and we do have a call from John that I'm going to take in a second, but I was reading, when, reading the book, and I got to the chapter about your second husband, and of course the book we're talking about is My True Hidden Hollywood Story by Brenda Dixon, who is our first guest this week. You talk about how uh, you and your second husband would act silly and almost like children and that you went, went yes. uh, to yes. the Plaza Hotel and didn't come out for, of the room for five days. We can sort yes. of draw our own conclusion. <laughs> you know, those things to me, that really sounds like the, the true love when people tell their stories about true love. So Yeah, it's true. He, he was my one true love. I'm going to start crying now. I don't want to make but how How do you go from being, you know, acting like kids? You know, people are probably in their own relationships. Um, can we think had of some someone. problems. We had some internal problems with the family. Um, uh, his daughter... Uh, went with the mother. It was one of these situations. I know Susan Summers has written a book about it where, um, you know, uh, the daughter went with the family and uh, the daughter didn't like me and she wouldn't um, invite me anywhere to her graduation or anything and she was very mean to Jan. For, and they didn't speak to him for three years after our marriage. And it just got worse and worse with his, with his daughter. And um, he got a little temper going on and I got out, and um, yeah, it was very sad because I loved him very, very much, and I believe that pressure was put on Jan uh, from the higher-ups because he got that bankruptcy lawsuit of my money owed from Robert Rifkin, which was a $5.5 million estate, and he said, oh, Brenda, I can't try it. I've been threatened, and I'm worried about my daughter. So I think pressure was put on Jan because he was an attorney. You have to understand, these people have control over the court system and uh, can pretty much do whatever they want with a, you know, like a seedy judge, you know, not a real judge. Um, so, and that's what I got in Hawaii. Um, so I think there was pressure put on him, and I did love him very, very much. Probably still do. We are going to, uh, we're short on time here, but uh, I think this is a good time to take a call from John, who okay. 
uh, apparently knows you. Let's bring in John to Soap Central Live. John, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. This is John Cohen, the celebrity psychic in New York. Hi, Brenda. Hi, how are you? I'm just fine, just calling in to give you all my support and to tell the uh, host there that not only does he have a good actress, but you have the number one sex symbol of daytime TV, past and present, because there was never another one like her. Oh, thank you. You know, John is a psychic, uh, and was a psychic for Liz Taylor, and so so many stars in the business. Isn't that right, John? That's correct, and I'm in seven books. My latest, the latest one I'm in is on Jaja Gabor. Of course, though, you know, though these people were my clients and dear friends, I started in show business as a child, so, you know, I was way, way younger than they are, in case you're wondering. I want to tell you that Brenda will triumph over this victory, with victory, with her book out now. It's finally her time, and all the people that did her dirt, now is her time when she'll get uh, the respect and acknowledgement she serves, she certainly deserves. Oh, well, John, thank you John, so much, it John. sounds like from you, we may need to have you on the show in the near future because it sounds like you oh, have some interesting yeah, stories. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We'd love to do an interview, absolutely. But this call is mainly for my beauty, Brenda. And I wanted to say, too, you know, uh, a lot of stuff goes on at that uh, Y&R that uh, is very, very uh, cruel to a lot of people that work for them. And I agree with Brenda. In her case, she went through that. But I know from having clients and friends there, uh, it can be, you know, they can be holy terrors there at that uh, at that place. I have yeah. something going on now myself, not to get away from Brenda's uh show here, but one one point to make about how cruel people can be, uh, I'm on the warpath with the with Tracy Bregman, who is on The Young and the Restless Now. She's been on for many, many years. Well, my biggest uh, problem with her is that she mentally abused me and my gift, and I will not stand for it. I'm not no doormat for anybody. So now I just use my First Amendment rights and tell the truth and get it out there, because, you know, if you let a mental abuser go then they'll go on to the next poor, the next poor victim. So that's why well, I exercise my rights, like Brenda does with hers, with total truth. Well, but thank you so say, much, though, John, out of all that, the... for your call. And as I said, we would love to have you on to talk in the future. Unfortunately, we're, I'm watching the clock here. I want to make sure that we have enough time to talk with Brenda. Brenda, uh, yes. John was mentioning abuse. There was a part in, in the story, and I don't really want to give too much away in your book because uh, of because I, I want people to read this, but it does tie directly to another daytime star who fans know, Michael Nader, who played Dimitri Merrick on All My Children and Dex Dexter yeah. on Dynasty. Yeah. And, and without giving too much away, the two of you uh, could have been, but there was something that came up in his past that did involve uh, uh, substance abuse and, 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 and uh, that reminded you of your childhood. And that also yeah. sounds... As though this was a, a could have been, but wasn't. Oh, with Michael? Yes, that's true. Absolutely true. You'll have to read the book to find out about it. But yes, it could have been, but didn't, and should have probably. It would have been very exciting, because we both um, were in the same play, working um, in a Tennessee Williams production with Tennessee involved, and he got his part on Dynasty from that play, and I went back with Columbia Pictures um, to do The Young and the Restless at the same time. So it was very exciting. We were in that together, and we both got series together during that play, Vukare. So, uh, yes, and we did have a love affair. 
and that's in the book. And as I said, I put my boyfriends throughout the book, and um, a lot of them are famous, you know, starting as a young girl, uh, Barry Goldwater Jr., all the way up uh, until now. The book goes up until now. And so um, a lot of my boyfriends, the audience will know, and it's, it's, so that's kind of a romantic side to the book in every chapter. And so the book has a lot to it. It has a lot of humor, and it has some sadness, and it has, um, it's sort of sexy in a little bit of a way. So it has all the elements um, of a movie, really, and we've been offered right now, uh, Ed Losey, my press agent, is talking to someone who wants the rights to the book. So we're discussing that right now for a movie. It would be a fabulous film. So there is, there is. I can't help but but notice in reading the book. There is a lot of sadness, and I have to wonder. And, and I'm sure when folks read it, they will as well. Has all of there are a lot of experiences that seemed that they they were going somewhere and then were brought back or abruptly ended. Mm-hmm. How has that affected you? So much of that sadness. How has that affected the way that you you carry on with your day, the way that you look at life? Well, it has affected me, and I put in the book the last chapter is how I survived it, and uh, I tell how I survived it through my friends in Hollywood, and um, uh, there was a lot that went on. We're in court right now, uh, Dan, to get my property back in California, so I can't talk about too much of it. Um, but it did affect me. Of course, it affected me what they did to me uh, in Hawaii, and um, I, it did affect the way that I look at life. But I still, you know, I'm still happy, and I still have friends. I'm just getting through it and just getting out of it right now. And so I'll probably get. I hopefully I'll get my property back in California, and then I'll go on to maybe produce a reality show. Or something like that. And um, so I'm just now getting right back on my feet. I got a little bit of money from the trial in 2011. They left me without any money or property for five years. And so now I'm able to function. And that's how I wrote the book. And I'm back on my feet. And I'll, I'll probably do something in the industry very soon. And I'll probably get my property back. And they can tune into my website to see what happens after the book. Um, I have a press channel where, and I do blogs to find out what happens after the book. Why, Brenda, do you think that you are seemingly such an easy target for people? Uh, obviously, without going into too detail, we know that there was a uh, someone. It's called a parody video, but it's not necessarily the know that the term that you use for it. But someone used your material. Yeah, she continues to steal my property. Um, I'm pretty much on top of her, but right now she's on Wikipedia, uh, lying at like, uh, you know, she brought in all the viewers to Welcome to My Home, which she didn't. Uh, Sony Picture took it down when I got three million viewers rather quickly because I was getting more viewers than the entire show at that time. And so they took it off the air saying they owned it, I owned it, and so then this girl, t- I believe that she works, I believe, this is my personal belief, that she works for the Bells or someone over there. And uh, so she's in Wikipedia, and she's saying, you know, that welcome to my home. Uh, she's made, created all these viewers, and it's just a lie. And I've been able to get rid of most of her uh, through Google, who are trying to, to get her off the air, but she keeps putting herself back on. So, yes, I'm a target because I have viewers. That's why I'm the target. Uh, you know, it can be a two-edged sword. 
that I have so many viewers. And um, so I, I don't know what to do about it. I just keep fighting it. You know, I don't well, want to sue her. It's expensive. Absolutely. But I may have to at some point. We're almost out of time for this segment, so I want to give you one last question and say that when all is said and done, Brenda, what do you want people to remember about Brenda Dixon? Oh, that's so sweet. Um, that I was a really good actress. And um, that, that's, that's good enough for me, that I was a really good actress. And that I'm, you know, because they know me as an actress, uh, they don't really know my personal life until they read my book, part of my personal life. And um, I think I made my mark uh, in the acting field because 24 years later, uh, you know, the Welcome to My Home poured in all those people, three million, um, and um, people still remember me today, and they still say that um, I was the best Jill ever, Jill Abbott ever. Th- those are my fans, of course. I don't want to. Um, but um, I, they remember me, and I'm so grateful that they do, and I think that's a testament to myself because a lot of people have sort of disappeared, and, you know, and I haven't. So um, I'm happy being remembered as a good actress, and I hope I do something else to bring um, more joy to my fans, and we'll see what happens in the future. You can order a copy of Brenda Dixon's My True Hidden Hollywood Story from her official website, brendadixon.com. The book is available now in Kindle and Nook formats, and it is available for pre-order in hardcover. It'll be due out next month, and if you pre-order, there is a little bird that tells me Brenda will sign the book for you. Brenda, thank you so much for taking time out to visit with us today. Thank you so much, Dan. It was a joy. I'll talk to you later. We have to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial with All My Children's Brooke Newton. Stay tuned. Soap Central Live will be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? For 15 years, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. Take a sneak peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews, or share your thoughts with Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, Check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll be able to know who slept with who and who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much more. Whether you watch The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, All My Children, or any of the other soaps, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in today with Soap Central Live starring Dan J. Kroll. Do you have a question, a comment, or you just want to dish? 
please call in at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or drop a line to radio at SoapCentral.com. Now, back to our stories. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Soap Central Live. I'm your host, Dan Kroll. Continuing our theme today with daytime's most talked about ladies, my next guest is a newcomer to All My Children, but she was the character that everybody was talking about last month because of a jaw-dropping, too-hot-for-TV bedroom scene. Let's take a listen to a little clip. I'm speechless. As you should be. Now, be honest with me. When we were younger and you were chasing after me, how many times did you think about this exact moment? Me, naked, pressed up against you, ready to do anything you wanted to. Only in my wildest dreams. Guess what, baby? Dreams really do come true. I am not sure that anyone has gotten that kind of introduction here on Soap Central Live, but there is a first time for everything. It's time to bring on the actress who plays All My Children's Colby Chandler, Brooke Newton. Welcome to Soap Central Live. Hi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so so much. Uh, We're going to talk about that, uh, and I'm moving my hands around as I say that because of that, uh, a little bit later. I think the goal for this and any appearance here on Soap Central Lightbrook is to let people get a chance to know you and to let them know that you're not the character that they see on screen. So are you ready to get to know the fans? Yes, I am. Well, they're I'm ready quite to, excited. <laughs> they're definitely ready to get to know you a little bit. So I know that not everything that you read on the Internet is true. Hopefully everyone out there knows that. But I took a little trip to the Google cave to try to find out a little bit more about you. So let's find out if these things that are on the Internet are true. It says that Ooh, you okay. have studied karate. Is that yes. correct? Okay. How <laughs> What kind of belt do you have? Who have you beat up? All these good stories. That's what we want to know. Oh, okay. Um, well, when I was younger, I was a black belt in Taekwondo. Uh-oh. And then I started doing dance, so I always did dance and karate, hand in hand. Um, then I did kickboxing, a little bit of ultimate fighting training. So a lot of my friends were ultimate fighters, so I used to go and train with them. And then uh, my ex was a master in Krav Maga. And um, Capoeira and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so I started doing all those martial arts and dance and then um, circus arts, like aerial silks and flying trapeze. So Basically what you're saying is not to bleep <laughs> with you, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. I'll kick your butt. No. <laughs> I wish um, I had known that. Yeah. That would have been a challenge on the red carpet. I think people would have loved to see us on camera just taekwondoing it down on the red carpet at the Emmys. I know, I know. I think my favorite right now is Krav Maga. Um, I think that's my favorite. And I always love Capoeira because it's kind of a dance as well. And the history behind it is pretty good, too. I would tell people to Google that, but I have no idea how to spell it. So you're going to have to do a sounds like and, and luck out for yeah. yourself online. <laughs> One of the other things that I know is, is true, but fans, you know, they may not know this. You were part of the cheer team for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk about being on the Buccaneers cheer team. Ooh, 
Um, well, it was, it was actually an interesting story. I was going to come out to L.A. right after high school to pursue my acting and to take it for to take it further because I was doing acting on the East Coast and I used to drive 15 hours a day for auditions and callbacks. So I would go to Louisiana, Atlanta, North Carolina, and I would go down to Miami, back and forth. And my aunt actually called my mom and said, you know, they're having auditions and tryouts for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, cheerleading squad. And she talked to my mom and she's like, I think, Brooke, this is something she should really do. And I told my mom, okay, I'll go to a meeting. So I went to a meeting, and that was right after they won Super Bowl. So I think over thousands of girls tried out. There was only 11 new spots. Oh, wow. And I just, yeah, it was very small because a lot of the veterans always make the team the year before. So there's only a few spots for the rookies. And I went in, and I talked to the coordinator and told my mom, okay, I'll go in and talk to the coordinator and see if I can do my acting as well and, you know, ask her questions. So I went into the little pre-audition thing, and I talked to her, and she was like, well, you can do your acting, basically, if you can do game days and practices and stuff. And I actually decided not to try out. It was until probably a week later I got a phone call from one buck in the organization from the coordinator, Sandy Charbonneau, and I was filming a commercial. I think it was Dick's Sporting Goods in Orlando, Florida, and she asked me if I would do a making of the squad. They were going to film the making of the squad, and they were going to follow four rookies and four veterans through the whole process of auditioning and tryouts and the whole elimination process. And she asked me if I would be one of the rookies that the cameras would follow and stuff. And I was like, ah, okay. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I remember I was on set. My stepdad ran. The auditions was the next day, so he went to the stores to get me my outfit to try out. You have to wear like a little kind of bikini to do the whole tryout thing, and that's actually how I started trying out. And um, I love dancing, so it was a lot of fun. I wasn't really stressed or nervous. I just really enjoyed the process. And through each elimination, I was getting closer and closer to it. And I was like, "Wow, this is something I guess I can really do." And it just happened. I made the team, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Well, in the 18 years that I've been running SoapCentral.com, I've learned that there are a lot of people who have these preconceived ideas about soap actors and their work. I would imagine that as a cheerleader, uh, have you had to battle any of these stereotypes that people have sort of forced upon you? You know, I believe in life there's always stereotypes. I mean, everyone judges Everyone puts you kind of in that pigeonhole, you in that stereotype of what you should be or a cheerleader or an actress. I mean, that's life. So I always just like to go out there and change people's mind. I mean, a lot of people don't know that as an NFL cheerleader, those are 28 professional women. We had an acupuncturist. We had a dentist. We had a prison guard, a bodyguard. Um, a prison doctors. guard? Either have yeah, you're a professional woman or you have to be in school, which that's what I was doing. I was doing school online and doing my acting as well while I was cheering. So a lot of people don't know that. And it was a volunteer job at that time. Oh, wow. So you don't get, yeah, you don't get paid for games or practices. They did give you two free game day tickets and, um, you would also get paid appearances, but you have to do so many charity appearances as well. 
Hmm. Well, I did not know this. See, this is why we ask the questions here on the show, because we'd like to, to learn more about this and certainly have a more informed uh, idea of, of what everything is about. So you mentioned you were doing that. You were doing online school. You were pursuing your acting. I have to find out, how did you go then from, uh, first before we do that, is there a name for the, the cheer team of the Buccaneers? Do they have their own name? Yeah, we're just the Tampa Bay Buccaneers cheerleaders. We used to be called the Swashbucklers, but that's what we're that's what we're called now. So we're just the Buccaneers cheerleaders. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to them about changing the name back. I kind of like that Swashbucklers, but anyway, how did you go from <laughs> that to landing in Pine Valley? What? Uh, how did you find out about the role? And more importantly, what did you know about All My Children before you became a part of the cast? Well, this is actually really funny. Um, one of my really good friends, she played Colby Chandler at age four on the show. Okay. And when I, when I first came to L.A., she's from Florida as well. Her last name's Newton. My last name's Newton. So everyone thinks we're sisters, which is really funny. We worked on a show. I believe she was playing Jay Moore's daughter on Gary and Married, and I was a guest star, guest star possible recurring role as a new next-door neighbor. And I came on the show, and we worked on the show together. We've been friends since. So when I got the audition for All My Children, I laughed because I was like, oh, this is the show Catherine was on, and she was a series regular on the show for a while. And it was actually a taped audition. So I think that week I had tons of auditions. I had a very, very busy week. I just looked at the material twice, learned my lines really quick, put it on tape. I shot it three times and then sent off two scenes to New York to the cast and director. And um, it was under a code name, so I had no clue it was Colby Chandler. Hmm. And when they contacted my agent, they said, we want to see Brooke further. We want to do a chemistry read. Um, they wanted to take another meeting. They sent me the character, and they said, it's Colby Chandler, and here's the Wikipedia, and this is all about her. And I laughed because that was my friend <laughs> that we always get to say. Everyone says we're sisters, and I was like, this is a sign. This is meant to be. I knew it was mine at that moment. Has to be. That has to be a sign. So now you are uh, a part of All My Children. You are playing the role of, of Colby Chandler. How would you describe Colby? Ooh, how would I describe Colby? I think Colby is a very interesting character because, you know, I think Colby is, you know, very troubled. And I think she has a lot of history and a lot of demons in the closet. But she's someone who's not afraid of life, I feel, and going out and grabbing life by the throat and living every minute. I think she's someone who lives life full every minute, doesn't fear about the past or the future, and she really doesn't have any filters as well. But um, there's other sides to Colby, too. And I don't, I don't personally think Colby's bad. I don't think she's a bad person. I just think she's been through a lot. And the choices she makes in her life, she—I just don't think she really thinks things out, too. I don't think she's a bad person either. And for folks who <laughs> visit SoapCentral.com, they're going to see in the, my two scoops column for this coming week. I've come to the realization: I now understand what love to hate means. I absolutely <laughs> love to hate 
your Colby. She does probably because she does things that I think or she says things that remind me of myself. So I think that's why I love to hate her. Comes out. That's awesome. Ah, well, you know. So there are some <laughs> things that she does that, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, we'll just put it out there like it is. There was a scene. We played a little bit of the clip at the top of the show. And there was a lot of reaction from fans. There are some who were critical of the scene. There were some that didn't think it was a big deal. And, Brooke, let me tell you, I also got one tweet from someone who said that their partner was very inspired by that scene, and they thanked you and the writers of All My Children for uh, <laughs> providing them with a, a very memorable evening. So, what oh, is this? Oh, that's amazing. I love to hear that. That's great. It is. I didn't tweet back because I didn't quite want to go into all of the details <laughs> exactly <laughs> what was going on. But uh, it was a very steamy love scene. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, how did you find out about the scene, and what was your reaction? Well, um, it's funny. I actually shot my scenes with David first. So oh. that was actually my scene with David. That was my second day filming on set. Um, I believe I had 80 pages to shoot that day. Wow. Um, we had the premiere the night before. So we didn't get back till late at night. I had a 6, 7 a.m. call time, and I had just, like, tons and tons of stuff. So I think I had so much to think about, and the scene with David was completely blocked, like every action, everything to every line, the movement to the bed. So you can't, you don't really think about it. And then I think then, a, like, a week later, I started, everyone on set started talking about the scene with Pete and I. And I remember Rob came up to me and he was like, dude, he's like, Brooke, did you read that scene? And I'm like, <laughs> what scene? What are, you, what are you talking about? He goes, it's raunchy. And I was like, okay, how come I didn't get the scene yet? I'm just kind of laughing. He's like, go go to the writers, go to the producers and ask for the scenes and see if you can see it. And he goes, if not, I'll give it to you. So I was kind of prepared before I read it. Okay. And I started reading the scene. I'm like, oh, Okay. All right. <laughs> I, you know, as you, I don't know if you know this, I've never done an on-screen shift before since I've well, been acting since I was eight. Never. You have and made up for lost time, Brooke. <laughs> I know. I had to make up big time. And I'm like, well, now I'm going to do this. I'm like, okay, I just got to go for it. I'm I think it was watching, just a challenge. I'm watching me. the clock here. Uh, I realize that we have a caller who has my next question for you. So I want to bring in Bobby from North Carolina to ask this question for me. Bobby, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey, it's great to be back on. And I want to just say, first of all, Brooke, if I, okay, if I can give a quick shout out to one of our former Tampa Bay friends, Donnie in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, because remember we, we chatted on Twitter and how it was online because she used to be my classmate at school. Oh, that's great. When's the last Bobby, time you talked to her? Oh, well, about a, a month ago, and I'm thinking about probably seeing her probably in the beginning of the next year, probably after the probably when there's some time down in Atlanta, probably in the beginning of the next year. But but um, I'll make sure that... that um, that um, she said hi to you because she called me after my birthday and I brought up you. Bobby, I don't. I want to make sure that we get time for your question, so let's quick hurry, uh, move on to your question so we don't have all to right, cut right. the short. 
I I apologize for the time, okay. but but um, no, that's okay. All right, but um, I just wanted to say, what did your parents um, think and react to to the scene? Because I know there was a lot of parents that were shocked with it, especially after after it got pulled from YouTube with mixed reaction from the people. <laughs> yes. Well, first off, tell her I said hi. I miss her. I am going to come home to Florida, and I think I'm going to see Jenny Summers. I like to get up like the whole group together, the Bucks cheerleaders and everything. It'd be great to see everyone. Um, as far as to your question, it, it's kind of interesting. It's funny. My grandmother is completely, my mom's mom, completely supportive of me doing edgier material. She was actually calling my mom and saying, you know, Brooke's too conservative. She's got to edge it up. <laughs> So okay. it's funny. That's why my family, they understand. They completely understand this is my job and my profession. And with acting, this is what I have to do, you know. And my dad's side, I was a little more concerned because they're a little more strict and a little more conservative. But I just told them. I was like, you know, this is my character. She's, you know, the edgy one, kind of the bad girl. So just kind of expect anything. So I did forewarn my family. And I know my dad said, he was watching the screen, and I think he had—he was watching it with my grandmother, his mom, and he said he had to walk away from the computer screen a few times. But he said, I did an amazing job, and he was very proud of me. So, it was certainly, uh, it was certainly a very interesting scene. It certainly took a lot to be able to, to go through with that. I'm sure there would have been a lot of people who maybe pulled back for that. And after, if you hang tight... After we're done talking until I wrap up the show, I have a story to tell you about what my grandmother had to say about that particular <laughs> scene that's not necessarily safe for the air. But we are down to our final minute that I have with you. Uh, what would you like to tell fans? Why should they uh, tune into All My Children? What are they going to see without giving anything away that's coming up? Why should they tune into All My Children? Well, I think you definitely, you guys should tune in because I think we're, our material is just getting better and better and we're getting deeper in the stories and deeper into the characters. You guys haven't seen anything yet. And especially from Colby because I think next week, um, Colby's going to shock you all. They're going to see another side of her you haven't seen before. I think we've so seen just about. Tune in and watch. I don't know how many more sides we could possibly see considering what's been going on, but. Ah. <laughs> it should be very interesting. Oh, but you'll be surprised. You'll well, be good. surprised. We like surprises. Be sure, everybody, to check out Brooke Newton as she continues to bring us more of Colby's antics on All My Children. New episodes are available every Monday on TOLN.com, Hulu, and iTunes. And best of all, the episodes are free to watch. And, of course, don't forget that All My Children and One Life to Live are having summer flings on Oprah Winfrey's own network. Check your local listings for the channel in your area or head to SoapCentral.com slash own for additional information. Brooke, I want to thank you so much for helping us kick off the weekend. Mm. You are absolutely wonderful. Thank you. And also, let me know on Twitter what your grandma had to say. I want to hear that. Absolutely. If you hang tight for 30 seconds, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, okay, no, no, okay, I'm here. I'm not going hang, anywhere. <laughs> hang tight, because we have come to the end of our time this week. The bell has tolled on this show. Fear not, everybody, though. We'll be back again next week. I'd like to thank my guests this week, Brenda Dixon and All My Children's Brooke Newton. For more information about any of the topics that we discussed on today's show, including how to order 
Brenda Dixon's memoir, My True Hidden Hollywood Story, or how to watch episodes, all new episodes of All My Children, please visit our official show page at SoapCentral.com slash radio. That's also the place where you can go if you missed any part of today's show or want to hear it again. While you're there, you'll have access to more than 185 other episodes of Soap Central Live. You can listen on demand, which means you can stream them or download them anytime you want, and it's all completely free. Again, just head over to SoapCentral.com slash radio. Thank you to everyone who listened today, whether you're a first-time listener or you are here with us every week. I hope that you'll join us again next time, Friday, July 16th, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, for the continuing saga of Soap Central Live. Have a great week, everybody. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.